As the world starts to slowly return to normal, we're now starting to get some dates for some new geek goodness. And we're going to talk about that today on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 115 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello, Brian. Of course, the moment you came in, I had to whip out the iPad and show you the trailer that just came up today for What If. Wow. Lots of nifty new stuff. August 11th cannot come soon enough. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, we finally do have a date now for Mm -hmm. it. So they announced it's going to start August 11th, and uh, we got to see a few more. More of it, I think, they focused uh, a bit more on the Chadwick Boseman What If uh, T'Challa Became Star-Lord episode. We got to see a lot more of that, which was awesome. Of course, this was the last thing he did with Marvel before he passed away. It is actually uh, Chadwick Boseman's voice, and I can't wait. Um, It it looks like it's going to be great, and it's going to have that same kind of humor Mm -hmm. that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is known for. I I can't wait. I mean, but there's like a ton of stuff. Of course, we got Howard the Duck, and finally, Mm -hmm. and we're going to get some Marvel zombies. And a bunch of other stuff. So I'm, I'm like totally looking forward Eric to that. Killmonger. Yeah. yeah. He is one of those uh, characters, and including Yondo, that, you know, the fandom has just screamed out, you know, we want more. <laughs> and we are, we are getting that in this what if, you know, yeah. beautifully. Cannot wait. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be wonderful to, <laughs> to see. And, and that's something I did want to talk to you about today, since you are caught up on Loki at mm-hmm. this point, And we've already seen the, the penultimate episode of Loki. And there's going to definitely be a lot to talk about. I did want to show you something that I picked up today. And I'm going to reach behind me to the, to the bookcase for this. Okay. But I got a couple of new uh, Funko Pops. Ah, I'm looking at Funko Pops here. Guillermo del Toro and Bram Stoker. Yes. Wow. So I picked those up at uh, Books a Million. The Bram Stoker one is a Books a Million exclusive, and he had the Guillermo del Toro. They only had one of them, and the box is a little bit damaged, you might notice, on the bottom. I see. Yes. And so I was able to get that at like a, a 10% discount. Amazing. I mean, these are some true genre icons here. Oh, yeah. Well, they're going to be coming. Yeah, they're going to be coming out with a Vincent Price one here soon. Oh. And I'm definitely picking that one up. But yes. um, but I did want to talk a little Funko Pop stuff because I, I don't have a lot of Funko Pops. Mm-mm. Or I would say a lot that... Um, very different ones. I started out with Call of Cthulhu. I started out collecting Cthulhu's. Mm-hmm. And I've got pretty much all of them, except for there's one that is called Nerd Cthulhu. It's just the regular Cthulhu with mm-hmm. a pair of taped glasses. <laughs> Which adorable. Uh, adorable, but it's $120 now to, to buy one. And Ooh. I'm like, it's not that no. adorable. Uh-uh. Yeah, uh-uh. I'll just buy a regular Cthulhu and put glasses on it myself. <laughs> so, wow. But uh, that's, that started my thing because I decided, well, I'm just going to do Cthulhu mm-hmm. and that's going to be it. And That wasn't it. No, it, it <laughs> didn't. Um, I haven't completely jumped the, the Funko Shark yet. Mm-hmm. I did get all the Stephen King ones that I could get. I got all the um, Edgar Allan Poe ones. It started to migrate into different uh, icons that I wanted to pick up. So Mm -hmm. I I don't think I'm going to go all in on collecting Funko Pops because that's going to (laughs) be... Yeah. Most of mine, I I haven't 
actively gone after. Uh, many of them were gifts from people. Some of my favorite characters and also the ones that I got in Loot Crate. And mm-hmm. I don't believe I've ever actively gone after one myself, but I have I have several. And, you know, they're in my Doctor Who and Firefly and Walking Dead, you know, all my, all my loves. But, yeah, I don't actively go after Pops. I don't really either, which I've paid the price for in some cases <laughs> because I had considered collecting the Universal Monsters Funko Pops. Oh, yeah. But... I hope they're in black and They are in black and white. There are black and white variants. But basically what happens with Funko Pops is when they first come out, you you can get them between $10 to $20. And then it's not a permanent. They they move on to something else. There's only like a few month window for any Funko Pop to be out. And then once that happens, then the price shoots up because you can't get them anymore. And so if I want to spend $70 a piece, I can start collecting the Universal Monsters. (sighs) They're needed. 10 to 20. They're not that important once they get over Mm -hmm. 50 to 60 dollars. So, but that's the thing about Funko Pops because it does really play into pop culture, into geek culture. It appeals to everyone. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought the Golden Girls would become the pop icons that they were, that they have become? And people love them and, you know, we're screaming for Funkos of them. And and they came out. So, it's not exactly Rule 34, but it's (laughs) that and the blue check mark on social media is how you know you've made it. If they make a Funko Pop out of you, I mean, you're famous. And when they make the Funko Pops, they do it for a few months or so, and they don't come back normally, but sometimes they'll bring one back. Since we have the second season of Good Omens, they're reissuing those Funko Pops. Okay. So you get another crack at them. Yeah. It's a good way to kind of get into collecting something, but I'll tell you where it becomes a disaster. If you own a small to medium game store, or even if you're like a larger box store, selling Funko Pops is a nightmare. Mm. And as somebody that in the early 90s owned a game store, I know a lot about what goes on behind the scenes when it comes to, you know, game stores and card stores and that culture. And one thing, especially if you deal with cards like magic cards or Mm -hmm. Pokemon or you deal with comic books or things like that, the biggest problem you're going to run into starting out is going to be controlling clutter. Because Mm -hmm. things get cluttered really quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go into your average game store and you look behind the cash register, you're going to see piles of paper, boxes. It is a tidal wave that you're constantly having to fight against. Mm. And the problem with Funko Pops are, if you're buying one, you know which ones you want and which ones you don't. Mm -hmm. Imagine trying to have to sell them. Now, if you're Amazon, that's fine. You can get them at a, at a huge discount because you're buying them in bulk and the ones you don't sell uh, can wind up in a landfill somewhere. You don't care. But, I mean, even if you're a box store like Books a Million, you go in there, they're all over the place. They tend to spread out. But if you see these like game stores that sell Funko Pops, they are inundated with those things. They're worse than Tribbles. Ooh. They just continue to... They, the thing about it... Keep feeding them. They'll keep breeding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, eventually, you just run out of room for all of them because you're not going to sell every Funko Pop. I know which one I want to buy, but if somebody wants to sell it to me, how many Funko Pops from all over the place do they have to buy to get that one? To get that one that mm-hmm. I want, and then they're stuck with the rest of them. It's a massive disaster. And I can't tell you how many stores that I've gone to, the game stores that sell Funko Pops, and they're just all over the place. Mm hmm. If I were to ever lose my mind and decide to open up a game store again, I would not carry Funko Pops. 
I like having the ones that I have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Vincent Price comes rolling along, I'm probably going to have to Ready pick that it. one up. But eventually, even I am going to have to say, I'm, I don't have room in my house for more Funko Pump. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a stop somewhere. But that's, again, that's the problem you run into is, well, once they pull you in, then what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm hoping eventually to, to, to break this habit and to uh, go back to the normal bad habits like buying games on Kickstarter. On Kickstarter. So going back a little bit, because we talked about the about the trailer, now we're starting to see a lot of these dates coming up yes. for all kinds of great nerdy stuff, which I'm looking forward to. August is going to start out with What If on the 11th, and then the 22nd is the first episode of the last season of The Walking Dead. That'll be the 22nd. Oh, mm-hmm. And so we'll have that going. And then the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end, which they're going to split it into two half seasons. Like right. they, you know, like Always they did before. Mm-hmm. The first half starting on the twenty second, and of course today we get Black Widow. Black yes. Widow starts today, mm-hmm. so I am going to attempt to see it this weekend. I, I didn't know what plans you have if you're planning on trying to catch it. I, I hadn't had any plans. I'm not sure what's going to go on with that, but so tonight's it's starting in theaters. Yes, uh, at, at midnight, or is they are they doing a big thing like that? Like Actually, I, I believe it started at five, so uh, there's, okay. there's it's probably running up at mm-hmm. uh, Regal and a mm-hmm. few other theaters. So no big long lines, and you know people dressed up like many a year ago, once upon a time. Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> question i don't know what it's going to look like marvel is hoping that this is going to be a 100 million dollar opening mm-hmm. which again they're really going to be looking heavily to see how well this does in the theaters mm-hmm. and now is it opening on streaming on disney yes. plus as well okay uh, it is kind of like I, mulan yeah there are going to be issues with black widow because it's just a movie length and we have been feasting on these six to eight episode episodic television and really getting deep dives which obviously you can't do in a movie if people have gotten to the point where they're going to feel comfortable going back to the theater and you know getting and that's the irony of it it's like we're talking about movies but we're talking about well those are just those are sort of like snacks you know (laughs) you know the big meals are on television and Mm -hmm. that's it's it's weird to say that but it's the truth Mm -hmm. i am going to try to catch it this weekend and there's you know, life is all that stuff that happens while you're making other plans. But I, I want to do that, and if if we do, then of course next week we can uh, we can talk about it. There have been some reviews. I've been avoiding them. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, reviews have been mixed to some degree. Well, that's definitely something we will we will talk about next week. But you said you've already seen the episode five of Loki, so yes. you're completely caught mm-hmm. up at this point. So yep. I did want to talk to you about the series so far. And okay. so, I mean, we do have to give a warning to everybody who's listening. If you haven't seen any of the episodes of Loki up to episode five, we are going to start dipping into spoiler territory. So, and if you haven't seen it, you know, what are you doing here now? Why aren't you watching it? Go watch it. You know, put this on pause. Go watch it and then come on back. So what do you think about Loki so far? Oh, I'm loving it. Just like, you know, uh, all the other Marvel shows that's exceeded my expectations. I love how vastly different each of these TV shows have been from each other in tone and look 
in oh gosh in acting and learning everything about the the time agency that's been so much fun and their aesthetics and all oh, the little the little sun uh, little thing that because it's kind of like the icon the oh miss minutes miss minutes oh gosh i love her she's a little clock not a sun sorry i apologize <laughs> um oh she's so adorable and she's but she's so like 1950s uh mascot like speedy uh you know plop yeah. plop fizz fizz and yeah. i feel like this last episode I feel like everyone, all the actors, everyone on set, they were building up for this moment. And they, this is what they were most excited about, was this 10 minutes on screen of this beautiful conglomeration. They're like, it's here it is. This is it. This is going to be it. And I just loved it. I've been really impressed with the show so far. As somebody who knows a little bit about the comics... It's awesome to see all the Easter eggs. My favorite Easter egg from this last episode had to be the Thanos copter. I never thought I would see the Thanos copter. <laughs> and that's a deep, deep, deep cut. It's really? like when did well it's it goes back way, way back to Spidey Super Stories. <laughs> which if if you don't know what that is, because because you know, you're not old and decrepit like I am. <laughs> back in the day of public television there came a time when you got to be a little bit too old to watch sesame street so you went to the electric company oh electric company mm-hmm. you, are you familiar you're, you're i from... know of it I, I never got to witness it or anything um but well I, yeah you well I you're young and you, well yeah. you're young and vibrant so this <laughs> it was a little bit before your time but i mean that's the reason why my first dracula was morgan freeman <laughs> Yeah, it's like it wasn't Bella Lugosi. Uh-huh. It was Morgan Freeman. Aww. And so that that was my introduction. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know Rita Moreno, and it, it was a it was a wonderful show. But one part of it also was there was a skit that they would do where they had Spider Man. Marvel allowed them to use Spider Man on the Electric Company, and it was done very much like a comic book. They would do these as panels, and you'd see sketching, and then you'd go to sort of the live action. Oh, well, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that was my first introduction to live action Spider-Man. Of course, I'd been a Spider-Man fan since I was like six, mm-hmm. and so I was a huge fan of Spider-Man, and so seeing him on The Electric Company was cool. What was interesting about it was, of course, this was a show that was promoting reading, mm-hmm. and so anytime Spider-Man was going to say something or think something, you read the thought bubbles. Spider-Man never really spoke. It's like the book who censored Roger Rabbit. Instead of uh, the tunes, they spoke in, in speech bubbles. So Spider-Man would do that. Neat. To promote reading, obviously, and as a cross to that, Marvel Comics put out a Spidey Super Stories comic book, which was geared to younger readers. There was this one comic that had Thanos in it, <laughs> and he was trying to get the Cosmic Cube, and he was flying around in a big yellow helicopter <laughs> because, you know, this is geared to younger readers, mm-hmm. and it was goofy like that. Here's Thanos, but we got the Thanos copter. It, you actually saw the Thanos copter. I looked at it, I was I can't, oh, this is nuts. <laughs> But this last episode was full mm-hmm. of Easter eggs and stuff that you just would not expect to see at all. It's mm-hmm. like, did they actually do Frog Thor? Yes, they did. <laughs> yes. They actually did Frog Thor. And alligator Loki. And <laughs> I expect, you know, next week everyone to be carrying around an alligator with horns on it. I'm sure other people caught this too, but when the big fight happened... Mm. 
old, I guess we call him old man classic. Loki. Classic, classic Loki. Loki. Mm-hmm. When he created the Is doppelgangers, okay. Kid Loki tossed Gator Loki at someone, Alligator <laughs> Loki. Uh, the first thing that popped in my head is, hey, let's do, let's get help. <laughs> I hate let's get help. <laughs> that was the first thing. It's like, let's get help is a whole different story when you're one of you is an alligator. Let's get help. It hits different. It just hits different. Mm-hmm. And when alligator Loki bites off President Loki's hand. Mm-hmm. Yes. And was, like President Loki was, that was the poster, you know, that was the, uh, mm-hmm. what, what we got, you know. So we've been waiting five episodes for President Loki. See, I watch it with subtitles. That's why I know to call him classic Loki. Oh. And like the whole time I was watching it and I was like, he looks so familiar. You know, he has this very Jeffrey Rush look to him. And I realized that he had played the Scarlet Pimpernel in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And that's where I saw him from. So he's, you know, very classically trained and perfect, yeah. you know. Yeah, Richard E. Grant, mm-hmm. who is, as far as geek culture goes, especially if you watch Doctor Who, mm-hmm. he was the great intelligence, or at least he was the avatar for the great intelligence. Okay. And he also was the ninth doctor, kind of. Hmm. Back in the days uh, before there was any idea that Doctor Who was ever going to come back. Sylvester McCoy or Paul McGann kind of territory. After Paul McGann. Okay. All right. So so what happened was... After the movie. <laughs> after the movie. And they're like, well, this is never going to come back. Let's, let's go ahead and do an online flash animation Doctor Who. Aww. And Richard E. Grant was the doctor. Okay. Who basically, uh, he was tooling around in his TARDIS with the master who was trapped in a robot body. So it was like a robotic master. So they fought this uh, villain known as the Shulka, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know people are screaming at me. That's not Mm -hmm. how it's pronounced. And I'm sorry. I I forget. Uh, But Scream of the Shulka was the name of of these episodes. And I think you can still find them online. You can probably find them on YouTube. But these were like flash animations. neat. And so he was, he became the ninth doctor until, of course. The non canon. The non canon. The there non-canon. are several non canon doctors, so hey. Yeah, a I lot. I think even Rowan Atkinson is a non canon doctor. Yes, the children in need one. Mm-hmm. Yes, where he uh, uh, was going to retire. Yeah, and it was mm-hmm. the, the, the Red Nose Day special. Yep. I remember it written by uh, Stephen Moffat. Ah. It was like the first mm-hmm. thing that he wrote for Doctor Who. Excellent. So yeah, that was the, that he's a non-canonical ninth doctor, mm-hmm. and so of course he's always been very much into geek culture and seeing him play Loki. He was he was note perfect as right. classic Loki mm-hmm. for sure. And he he rocked that horrible horrible spandex. He did it justice, yeah. you know. And <laughs> not since Christopher Reeve has anyone rocked the spandex so well. What was interesting about that episode, is, and I, I heard this here and there about people saying, you know, the whole President Loki thing in this fight, it's like, well, what was the point of all of that? You know, it just sort of, <laughs> well, number one, it was fun. So enjoy yes. your enjoy your fun. But the main thing about it, and I, I think some people may not have caught this, but when you first saw President Loki in the trailer, we assumed that this was the Loki we'd been following mm-hmm. because he certainly acted like the Loki we were used to. But what was great about that scene was when you see our Loki looking at all this, seeing somebody acting the way that he used to act mm-hmm. and was acting. And the face palm, you know, yeah, he's that like, was I, the whole point. That one small little moment was everything, you know, that that was his arc. Without uh, coming out and having to say it, you're like, 
there's been some character growth. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing about the show that some people's reactions to it that have me a little bit frustrated Mm. is... It seems like there's been a little bit of complaints from some people about the pacing of some of the episodes in the show. It's like, you know, nothing really happened. They just sat around and talked. And I'm like, oh, but it was so good. Mm-hmm. There was so much good talking going on. And some there, there's a lot of, there was a lot of great character development going on. And for me, it's not that I think that because people are complaining about this, Marvel's going to suddenly go, well, you know, we got to stop doing that and we need to make things more bang, pow, zoom. We have good storytellers at Marvel at this point and they're going to continue to be good storytellers. If we didn't have that, if we didn't have those episodes with the talking, we wouldn't care about Mobius. We wouldn't care that he, that he ever gets a jet ski. If he doesn't get a jet ski, my heart's going to be broken. And everyone else, their heart's going to be broken. If we didn't have those long conversations, we wouldn't care about Evie. And we wouldn't shed a tear when we see that she was taken from Asgard when she was just a kid. And we have to have that. And we have to build that rapport quickly. It's those tricks to get you to root for the right person. Yeah. Yes. These shows aren't going to be like the movies, where the movies you do kind of have to rush characterization because you don't have that kind of time. The TV shows do allow you to develop these characters characters Mm -hmm. which is awesome and that's what i want Mm -hmm. and we've been getting it but again it it gets to be a little frustrating sometimes when you have people who are jumping up on youtube or on facebook and you know playing the role of the of the critic Mm -hmm. uh, and basically they're giving their opinions which there's nothing wrong with giving your opinion but you know don't say you're a critic say you're somebody who's giving your opinion Um, on something what is his name u.s agent what was his name? Oh, uh, Walker. Okay, Walker. You know, everyone, everyone, you know, throwing a fit. Walker, he's horrible. We hate him as Captain America. Of course you do. You don't know where he's going. You know, we we nerds, you know, look, we know this is going to be U.S. agent. We know what he's going to become. It's like he he's doing everything right to not be Captain America, you know, so we know that. But, um, you know, the people who don't know that... Uh, don't realize what's happening. Yeah, that's the problem with critique at this point because Mm. you have a lot of people online who are giving their quote-unquote critical responses to things. Mm. And they get things confused in in a sense where they don't like what this character is doing, but it's part of the story, but they just immediately assume that it's because the story is bad, that the writing is bad. Uh (laughs) You know, it's like, I hate Walker. It's bad screenwriting. It's like, no, it's perfect screenwriting. You're supposed to hate this guy. Because there's conflict in the story and things are happening that you don't like. That's that's the point of the story. And you got like the villains that you love to hate, like early Loki. And then you've got the villains that you just hate, like Dolores Umbridge. And you will never have any redeeming qualities for her, ever. And, you know, that's good writing. Exactly. (laughs) You're feeling exactly the way you're supposed to feel. (laughs) But I'm seeing some of these reviews. And in some cases, it's very much people who have received steak and are complaining that it isn't pizza Uh, I wanted pizza I'm Mm -hmm. like well there's plenty of places where you can get pizza (laughs) but we're having filet mignon right now so Mm -hmm. enjoy that (laughs) and the thing about it is you know don't get me wrong I think that the vast majority of the viewership is not in that boat I believe that they know exactly how good the show is and they're enjoying it of Mm -hmm. course 
you have like a handful of people who are complaining and those are the people that you hear because they make the most noise. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried that Marvel is going to listen to that handful of people. I think they've been doing this for so long. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They know that the story is good and they're going to continue with it. It's just weird to me what people seem to fixate on. Uh, the big thing between Sylvie and Loki, there's people going, no, I, I don't want to see that. This is like incest on crack. Oh, the romance. Yeah. The romance thing. The, it feels that way because that's what people are used to seeing between a male and a female on screen. Right. They're not looking at this as the friendship that right. is. Uh, like, a, like a deep friendship. Deep it's like friendship they, that they've never had before. Well, you know, the thing about it is when you have a relationship between a man and a woman, obviously, until sex gets involved, you know, none of it counts, right? That's, <laughs> uh, that's how it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I got my sarcasm fingers up. and get, I know you can't see them, but by God, I'm squeezing hard. You have that situation where people are looking at this and they're like, but I, I don't want this to turn into a, a sexual relationship. And it's mm -hmm. like, you're just assuming that it's going to because you can see this heteronormal mm -hmm. path for them to go through. And so you just kind of assume that that's what's going to happen. Uh, and nobody is, nobody, well, I'm not going to say nobody because some people are shipping uh, Mobius uh. And, and Loki. But a lot of you know people aren't complaining about their friendship because uh -huh. it's two dudes. So, uh -huh. I mean, obviously that's not going to happen. But even after we went ahead and said that Loki is bi, so mm -hmm. in a real sense, he's basically finding himself, mm -hmm. and he's doing that obviously through Sylvie. But also, there have been so many times through this episode where he's had to confront who he is as a person. To me, that's fascinating. The big villain that Loki has been facing up to this point has been himself. Mm -hmm. And it was only at that moment, I mean, we're going straight into Joseph Campbell for this one, but that's why episode five was so important because until he was able to conquer himself, he wasn't ready to cross the threshold and face what's ultimately going to be who he's going to have to fight. Mm -hmm. For people who've read the comics, it's pretty obvious where they're going with this. I'm not going to say because if you're somebody who doesn't read the comics mm -hmm. and you don't, you don't watch trailers like I don't watch trailers, <laughs> I wouldn't want to ruin that for anybody. Mm -hmm. So cool. it's just I just happen to know from from the comics, it's like, okay, this we, we have this character and we got that character and this thing happened. Yeah, this is definitely who we're dealing this with. This is next. This mm -hmm. is definitely next. Mm -hmm. I definitely am looking forward to what they're going to wind up doing with episode six, because they wrap everything up mm -hmm. mostly. Obviously, if you know who they're going to be facing, this character is going to be somebody that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to be dealing with in the future. This may be more set up than it's going to be necessarily a full resolution. Okay. It's going to set some things up for stuff down the road, obviously. Phase four, whatever we're in. Yeah, phase, phase. Yeah, like, phase four. So. Like Love and Thunder and Into the Strange Universe. What is it? Doctor Strange. And, um, the, and the Multiverse, multiverse of, Mad of Madness. Yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Mm -hmm. and Fantastic Four. Well, Fantastic Four. That We'll just do this as an aside because when Kevin Feige was on the red carpet last week for Black Widow, they asked him about Fantastic Four, and he says, well, don't expect that anytime soon. Oh, I, see, I thought they had... Oh, Blade. Blade's one. I, I thought I'd seen the the four symbol on their thing. Okay. I mean, they're definitely prepping it. They want to ha have that come out like gangbusters, 
But as of right now, there are no real plans for it. They haven't cast anybody. There's a lot of fan casting going oh, on yeah. because that's and what we every do. Every single one of them is John Krasinski and, and Emily, and Emily Bl- Blunt. Every single one of them. Yeah, which I have no problem with. Mm-hmm. They would be amazing. But as of right now, they haven't even started anything with Fantastic Four. And they've got a lot of other stuff they got to deal with you know Mm -hmm. we still have spider-man coming up and so there's a lot there's a lot to be developed up at this point plus the fact that they're having to uh repair all the damage that COVID has done to the movie industry Uh, mm -hmm. at this point we talked about on the podcast about mulan being an experiment but black widow is going to definitely be an experiment at this point they have prepped things at uh, Disney to be ready for a situation if it develops where everything that they make movie-wise gets pushed out on Disney+. Plus. They're ready for it. They're making sure that whatever happens, they have a contingency. They're prepared for it. And I think a lot of what happens this weekend is going to say a lot about what goes on, not just Disney, but you know, everything else. I mean, even Warner Brothers with Dune, which... Mm-hmm. For me, Dune is not a film you sit at home and watch. Mm-hmm. This is a type of film that what I want to do is go and uh, drive to Columbus and see it to on the IMAX. IMAX. Yeah. yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely the type of film that you want to have that big theater experience, mm-hmm. assuming that it's going to be available. Mm-hmm. But really what happens with Black Widow is going to determine how they handle films from this point forward. I mean, one thing that the theaters have going for them is if you want to see Black Widow in 3D, you'll be able to see it in the theaters. Yeah, this weekend is going to be something to keep our eyes on. They're hoping this is going to be a $100 million film. And if it doesn't do so well, uh, like I said, it's not going to be like the end of the world. And believe me, I know I've seen it. We've all seen it at this point. But how well it does this weekend it's going to be really telling as far as how they deal with movies from this point forward. All eyes are on Black Widow, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a film for sure, especially with everything that's been going on over the last, uh, over a year at this point. All I can say is I am hoping for the best. And so with that said, we come to the end of episode 115 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Andy Petri, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geeks out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production.